0: This is Ash Lauren, back to present another exchange in collaboration with Underground and Black. This time, I'm sharing my conversation with Reggie Dotes.
1: I was in an accident, fucked up my car, totaled that shit. But uh, it was the next day that, you know, I just had this epiphany like, dude, if you don't do this shit now, you'll never know. I text my boss. I was like, look, I ain't coming back. You, you, you know what I've been doing on the side. You know my music and shit. I ain't coming back. I got to do this.
0: Reggie Dokes lives and breathes Detroit, although now based in Atlanta for over a decade. A graduate of the infamous Cass Technical High School in Detroit, he grew up an aspiring DJ, mixing progressive and hip-hop records in his parents' basement, eventually building a name for himself amongst his peers. He founded the label Psychostasia Recordings in 2001 and has had his singles featured on notable labels like Sound Signature, Third Ear Recordings, and Rhythmic Deep. Now rooted in Atlanta with his family, Doakes is still creating and has a newfound passion for film composing. The new gig keeps him busy and the work is paying off as Doakes' original music can now be heard in various feature films. He's been mentored and played alongside Detroit's most respected names throughout his three-decade career, and his expansive production catalog is equally impressive. Dokes falls into the category of one of those integral Detroit DJs whose names aren't recognized often enough, but the story of Detroit techno and underground music isn't complete without him. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Underground and Black Exchange in partnership with Resident Advisor. This is your host, Ash Lauren, coming live and direct from Atlanta. And today I have the pleasure of hosting Detroit via Atlanta DJ and producer Reggie Dokes. Thank you. What's up, Reggie? How are you?
1: Hey, I'm great. I'm great. Thank you. In spite of all the craziness, I'm good. Thank
0: exactly. You. Well, I appreciate you being here with me today. Um, yes. We're in Atlanta. It's hot as hell. Hot Um, as fuck, man. So, I mean, we'll just start it off. You know, what have you been up to lately? And how are you, you know, keeping busy in the midst uh, of the madness?
1: Wow. So, um, I had made this pivot in my career to get into composing. And so, right before the pandemic hit, Uh, I had landed, like, some sync opportunities and uh, had just finished uh, scoring uh, a documentary. So, um, you know, fortunately, those sync opportunities that I had, you know, paid me, um, you know, because, shit, you know, in the music business, you know, it's like up and down, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, you know, when you're making money, you know, you need to save because around the corner, you know, it's going to be a dip. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying live your fucking life like that, but, you know, it's just this industry, you know, is not built for people who cannot live a life of being fine with being uncomfortable because at some point in your life, you know, this shit's going to be uncomfortable and you got to be okay with that.
0: Exactly. You know what I
1: mean? And so, you know, I just kind of keep that perspective, and that's what kind of keeps me, um, you know, going. You know what I mean? Like, shit, I'm a Gemini like you, and, you know, I got to have two or three things going on because I get bored with shit easily. You know, doing, like, you know, one thing. Uh, I get bored, and it's like, okay, next. You know what I mean? But, um you know, I've, I've, I've been able to 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 maintain and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, really fortunate uh, and, and, and uh, blessed in that regard. Yes.
0: So you would definitely say that, you know, I mean, I guess would give advice as a DJ or a creative as a musician to have some type of backup plan or, you know, some type of, you know, different stream of income. You know, just in case something yeah. happens, because yeah. um, you just never know, like you said.
1: You know, you know, I, I, you know, our, our parents used to say, "Boy, always have a plan B." Mm. You know, and so I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say a plan B, but just have uh, other shit going on, like you said, in multiple streams of income, because you know, in the music industry, you know, if one thing dries up, then you can hop over to the next thing. When Absolutely. that shit dries up, you can hop over to the next thing. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it took me a while to, like, really fucking grasp that concept. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, hey, I'm right there <laughs> with you. <laughs> you, know,
1: you know what I mean? It took a brother a while, you know, to, to grasp that. But, you know, like, shit, goddamn. I, you know, I've been a DJ since I was fucking 14. You know, uh, born and raised fucking Detroit. And, and so DJing for a while was like all I fucking knew, you know, I went to college and shit and kind of laid off the whole DJing thing because my interest went elsewhere. Okay. And then once I graduated college, uh, here in Atlanta, um, um, I went back to Detroit. Because when I graduated, there were I graduated into a recession. So there were no fucking jobs. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, and so when I came home, you know, my parents were proud and shit. But my mom, she was like, look, I'm going to give you a year. And then your ass better find a job, motherfucker. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> okay, bet. So I fucking partied, hung out, you know, just got all the wildness and shit out of me. And, and still, it was still kind of bleak as far as job. So I fell into teaching. And I do mean I fell into teaching. Like, like, they were so desperate for teachers that if you had a degree.
0: What was your major?
1: So my major was communications. Okay. Because I thought I was going to be like. Next, Ed Bradley. And, oh my god,
0: uh, that was my major. Too. <laughs> and like Ted, Super Gemini, right? like job right there. <laughs> Ted
1: Koppel and shit. And yeah, and so you know, I actually worked in the industry before I started teaching. Um, uh, I was uh, an intern with this really popular show called Nightline that was hosted by Ted Koppel. Okay. Um, and, and then uh, I interned. Uh, here at the uh, in Atlanta at the at uh, the ABC affiliate. Oh
0: wow! Okay, so you do you dabble yeah. and dabble in journalism right. a little bit, right?
1: <laughs> and so I worked the assignment desk. Right, I was an intern at the assignment desk, so it was my job to like sit by the radio scanners and shit, and you know I had to learn like all the codes and shit. That, oh wow! You know, That's like cool. okay. Uh, we got a 157 on Peachtree Street. Wow.
0: Man. So you were hearing like all the crime and right. like stuff happening. Oh, that's all crazy. All that shit.
1: So if something piqued our interest, they would send me along with a cameraman. To
0: go like on location. Right. To go on that's
1: location and awesome. shit and do like the sound bites and, you know, uh, get interviews basically.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so that's what I thought I wanted to do. But then as I got further entrenched in the business, man, it was just like you know, I became unhappy. It was like, man, I can't I I can't do this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I I don't see how anybody else could do this shit, you know, because it was just always that search for uh negativity which makes news. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. the shit was just really probably fucking just with my spirit. Heavy on your spirit, yeah.
0: like just going to like I don't yeah. know, a crime scene and like yeah. seeing stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was probably real. Yeah.
1: That that shit was heavy, man. So Wow. Yeah, that shit was heavy. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I taught, and then uh, I taught for eight years. I gave eight years of my life to teaching.
0: Were you in Detroit Public Schools? Hell, or? yeah,
1: Detroit. Okay. I was baptized in the fiery <laughs> goddamn furnace of Detroit Public Schools. Yes, sir. So I taught at Henry Ford High School. Okay. And, and Cooley High School. That's where I ended up retiring. <laughs> Coolie, I but uh, yeah, I taught for eight years and I, I left for a minute and then I actually came back. And I when I was teaching the babies, like pre-K, through K, like pre-K through like third grade, oh I, my god, and I love that so, shit.
0: That's so cute. I love <laughs> that
1: shit because all I, all I had to do was like look at them, you know, and they would just fall in line, you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> um, but uh. the 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 system and the school I was attending because I was working on my certification they wanted me to go back to school and get all these endorsements and shit at the time I had just got married and bought a house and I don't know if you know anything about teaching but you got to do student teaching and shit and that's no income
0: yeah
1: and uh so you know I was like man fuck that shit I'm I'm out you know, yeah. uh, so it is funny because shit, I got students, former students and shit that I'm friends with on, um, on Facebook they make me feel old in a motherfucker cause they got families and shit yeah. and kids and you know, but no, uh,
0: my mom was a teacher and yeah. she, yeah, she still has students yeah. that are like grown as hell now that yeah. she's like cool with. It's so crazy. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that says a lot about you too, you know, oh, if they want to keep in contact a little bit, you know, yes. so that, that's
1: cool. Yes. Yes. So, yes, I, I've definitely had a, I've had an interesting journey, man, with this, with this whole music thing. You know, I, um, I left Detroit in 2007 Okay. and, uh, and came this way. And, but, you know, before I left, you know, I was DJing and, you know, had my experiences of, you know, going overseas and that kind of thing from time to time and. Um, and, 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 and just kind of got bored with, um, with doing house music and techno. I was like, man, fuck this. I'm moving to Atlanta. I'm going to take my keyboard and shit. I'm going to show up on TI's doorstep and I'm going to get a goddamn production deal. That's what's up.
0: So you had the, you were kind of motivated to come down here, not just on some house and technic, but just music because you knew the boom that was kind right. of happening here. Exactly. Okay. Exactly.
1: I came to this motherfucker. I was like, I ain't doing shit in house music. I'm doing hip hop and pop fucking music. that That was like, that's where my head was, you know? And I got to this motherfucker and reality set in and, you know, I have a family, you know? So I had. You know, they were babies at the time and shit and wife. And, um, you know, I was doing my thing. I was calling myself entering like hip hop competitions and shit on stage with motherfuckers like half my age, you know, barely. <laughs> well, like a
0: beat maker. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, damn, I was okay. like
1: in beat competitions <laughs> and shit. <laughs> you know, it was like, you know, just hand me a wheelchair and a cane and shit. Did you
0: have a MySpace page?
1: Hell, yeah. <laughs> my space was the shit yeah, back then, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I got a story about that one. Uh. But, uh, <laughs> hell, yeah. Uh, uh, Nicki Minaj, before, it, when she was, like, rising up. She was on she was on MySpace and she was looking for music and you know it's MySpace you could really like reach out to people. Yeah,
0: it was a place for music right. really too. I right. mean, hooking up everything. Right. I mean, yeah, you could right. do everything on
1: MySpace. That shit was crazy, <laughs> crazy. But yeah, you know, I was doing the beat competitions and shit, and and uh, I was like, man, this this shit is fucking for the birds because you know you're spending money and. You know you're meeting people in the industry, but like with most situations, you know a lot of people talk and they can't do shit for you. you know what I yeah. found out in this business on the commercial sh- on the commercial side of things is that the people that that can really move the fucking needle they're never out mm. You know what I mean like those motherfuckers are at home in the studio in working. the studio yeah. working. Yeah. You know, and so it took me, um, you know, a minute to, to, you know, figure that out. So, like I said, I had a family, and I was like, shit, man, fuck this. I need to get a nine to five, you know, get a fucking regular paycheck and shit, because these babies talking about their feet hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers need shoes and shit. So I was like, fuck it, man. So I did a nine to five, man. You so know, did you
0: get back into teaching or you went into a different industry? No, man, well? I
1: went into a fucking totally different industry altogether. I didn't want to go back into the classroom yeah. at all. Um, I was in um, the healthcare industry and in distribution. I worked for this like great company. Uh, I won't say their name, but uh, uh, I worked for this great company and uh, I was in distribution. And it kind of worked my way up to management. And, um, you know, that shit, I stayed with them probably like seven or eight years, um, you know, before I decided to, um, jump ship with both feet. So, you know, I know how that shit feels, man. It's scary. You know, when you're like, okay, I need to do this. You know, when I, when I first got to Atlanta, I met this dude named JQ Smith and he's a songwriter. He's written hundreds of songs for fuck, um, fucking Beyonce. I mean, he's, 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 he's the shit. And I had an opportunity to, 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 to speak with him and his writing partner at the time was Carrie Hilson. I don't know if you remember her, the artist. And, um, he was like, look, at some point you are going to have to fucking jump you going to have to jump, bro. And that shit just always stuck with me. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, you're going to have to fucking jump. You can't half-ass at this shit. You know what I mean? And I know that's that's scary for a lot of people because I know when you jump, you know, you scarp your fucking elbows, your knees, you know, the parachute hasn't fucking opened yet, yeah, it you know. You may
0: not get back Right, up. right. You know
1: what I'm saying? But... You know, at some point you have to have you have to jump and just, you know, uh, have that faith that shit is going to work out, you know, and, um, you know, that's what I did. So I, I was with the company for about seven or eight years and just decided what happened was I was in an accident on fucking 75 South and I was leaving. Ironically, the sound table.
0: I think I, I remember. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. I was yeah, That was fuck- a few years ago, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, like yeah, like three, four years ago, and shit. About three years ago, and I was leaving the sound table. and got into a fucking accident, man. Fucked up my car, totaled that shit. You know. I, I jumped out the fucking car and left my records in the car and I ran back to get those motherfuckers. I was <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that's how much love we got for this fucking music, man. I, I mean, they were fucking my car up on that freeway. Oh my but God. Uh, it was that it was the next day that, you know, I just had this epiphany. Like, dude, if you don't do this shit now, you never know. You, 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 you'll never know. And I fucking text. I ain't even write a fuck. you know how you do the professional thing and write a letter of uh, yeah. resignation and shit, yeah. to try to give yourself a couple weeks. <laughs> 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 I, was, I was like, fuck that shit. I text my boss. I was like, look, I ain't coming back.
0: Wow. That's and,
1: <laughs> and, and they were, the, the, my, my immediate boss was like, dude, Are you
0: you okay?
1: (laughs) (laughs) He he was like, dude, are you sure? I was like, look, you you, you know what I've been doing on the side? You know my music and shit. I ain't coming back. I got to do this. And he was like, yo, I wish you well. And then his boss reached out to me and his assistant reached out to me like, yo, are you sure? So I left on good terms. That's the moral of the story. Well, that's good. I left on good terms. But, um, you know, it was just my intent, man, to just be like, you know, fuck it. So, like, for the past, I would say, like, four years, you know, I've been full time with this shit. You know? Shit. I got a wife, goddamn. I got one in college and one going to college. Right? But, you know, for me... You know, it was like, it was about my happiness, you know, and and, and my spirit being right, you know, like, you know, I had just come to that point in my life where I just kind of realized what was important to me, and that was my fucking happiness and being able to fucking get up and say, damn, I love what I fucking do. You know what I mean? So I'm the wrong motherfucker to talk to about leaving a job. Cause I'll tell your ass to leave in a heartbeat, without any question. You know, um, it's just it's just something you have to do. You know.
0: Do you do you think it's helped uh, like with your creative process now that uh, you've been able to get like dedicate more of your time and energy and spirit and all of the above? You know, to music rather than trying to balance everything and yeah. the pressure of a nine to five. Yeah,
1: great, great question, Cause, you know, when you work with somebody else, um, especially if it's a nine to five, you know, all of your energy's on that shit. You come home, you fucking tired and shit. You know, especially depending on what kind of industry you're in. Um, you know, now it's like, damn, you got to, you know, eke out some time to, you know, work on a track or make a mixtape or, or or whatever. And sometimes that that would happen for me, like on the weekends. Because the, you know, the fucking job I had, you know, I may have had to work on Saturdays, you know, but me being away from a nine to five, I have definitely been able to dedicate, you know, my energies towards my passion. And I I think, you know, once when you do that, you know, I, I think you see some results, you know, you know, when, uh. When you're in that position, but you know, I, 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 I get it. You know, like my brother Kyle say, says, you know, this shit ain't for a motherfucker who like a check every week. You know what I mean? If you want them motherfuckers who like a check every week to yeah. say <laughs> yeah. this shit ain't for you. Cause yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so I, I, I fucking get it, you know, for real, but yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, and, and I've been really blessed cause my wife has mm-hmm. been really supportive of me doing this shit, you know, like, I understand, you know, um, um, you know, most women want, uh, stability, um, and, and, and and as well as your children, you know, especially when they're older and shit, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you know, motherfuckers want Jordans and and new video game and shit like, right. Goddamn iPhone and shit like that. You know, and I'm just, and I'm just really blessed that you know um, my family has been really supportive, you know, because you know you had those moments. Hey, we we can do this, and then, you know, uh, you know a month or two later, look, we need to tighten up, you know, that kind of thing, um, um, you know. But I, I love being able to commit my energy towards uh my passion because the reality of it was you know shit when i was working nine to five goddamn i was spending more time on the job than i was at home you know we won't even say you know the lack of time i had with family and shit you know now it's like that you know you know they love me being home you know what i mean and i love being home you know but yeah but definitely yep
0: yeah um i mean yeah we talked about this a little but yeah i was you know working a full-time job and you know i left and you know luckily my, i mean my family was really supportive and i think it's about um you know of course just maybe having you know just a few things lined up you know before you take the leap but i definitely thinks you know that you have to take a chance and be willing to take a chance um and i think sometimes it's better to take that chance than not um, And I think, you know, as many as there are a lot of people that would be quick to judge someone like that. I think there's a lot of people who kind of get excited by that, especially people who probably like kind of had a dream and never ended up, you know, doing it. I have people all the time like, man, music is so cool. I always wanted to do it, man, but I just never, you know, and, you know, maybe they had a great life, but it's like, you know, they kind of missed out. They never really got to see. So I think, you know, it's a blessing to get that opportunity to kind of see and actually have it work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're yeah. we're gonna go back a little bit. Yeah. um y- You touched on you know like from the D, proud, uh, West Side, right?
1: Yeah. I, I, on on this dark and lovely skin, I have.
0: Oh uh, yeah, the, the Detroit, Detroit West Side, West Side, West Side kid. kid okay. Yes. The infamous tattoo. I'm, I'm a
1: diehard Detroit <laughs> motherfucker. Yes.
0: Um, like so, I mean, what was it like for you growing up as a kid in Detroit? Like, you know, what sort of things were you into back then?
1: Oh shit, man. So. <laughs> Um, I went to Hampton Elementary School and shit, which was off of Livernois. Um, I went to middle school there for a minute. Then I went to a school called uh, Region 5. It used to be called Halley uh, Middle School. And um, uh, and then from there, I went to uh, Cass Tech. I was one of them preppy motherfuckers. you know real shallow and shit you know into his clothes and didn't care too much about doing work but uh then you know i i was i was you know i was kind of a different kid growing up in that you know like i was into skateboarding and shit and bmx you know like i remember we were like when bmx bicycle motocross for those of you that don't know um like, we would go to, like, the races and shit to compete, and my friend was, like, world champion at 14. Fucking world champion. He he was so fucking good. The black kid or what? Yes.
0: Okay. And B-Max, that's
1: down. Yeah, <laughs> he was from Detroit, Kevin Collins, and um, he was fu- he had a fucking bike named after him. That's how fucking dope he was. But, I, you know, I was just into, like, some different shit, man, you know, like... We would be like the damn near the only black kids going out to Waterford and competing, and, and you know that kind of yeah, Waterford, yeah, Michigan. I grew, I grew up in Rochester, so Hales. you know.
0: So <laughs> Waterford is right. like right, okay. right, and
1: back then. <laughs> oh my god. You know, I don't even think there were any black people living in Waterford yeah, when we were going yeah, out there. I mean, you know, as fucking kids and shit. But yeah, funny. Waterford and <laughs> East Lansing and oh my God, man. We were like all over the fucking place. But
0: So you would just like travel around to just watch the shows or the competitions? No, I was in them. Like, oh, I, you, I actually oh, competed. You did it. Oh, yes. damn. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I actually competed, wow. yeah, for a while. That's interesting.
1: And it's funny because back then, like, if you were pro, like, You could make fifty thousand dollars a year, yeah. And back then, that was a lot of fucking money. That I'm like, to race a fucking bike?
0: Yeah, that was a livable (laughs) wage. You're like, hey, okay.
1: (laughs) You know, that's one of the regrets that I have. That's just that's one of the regrets I have is that I didn't stick with it because motherfuckers now are multi millionaires doing that shit. Yeah, all sponsors. Right? Yeah. I mean, that the game has elevated so it's fucking nuts. But, you know, that's what I was into. And I got out of BMX because I started getting into music, you know, and uh, like eighth, ninth grade, I started getting into music. And and back then in Detroit, they were calling that shit progressive, you know, like that was the the popular term on the streets. You know, hey, man, you know, I got this progressive track, you know, have you heard that progressive track, uh, you know, Capricorn and. Oh, shit the, the the list could go on and on so that was like you know eighth or ninth grade and then ninth grade that's when i really started like DJing. you know um my parents bought me at the time there were uh, these techniques called slb 200s and they had like the dials and shit for the pitch control okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know a motherfucker would have to put like a penny or nickel on the uh on the arm of the needle to keep it, keep it from skipping on wow. the record. Yeah. We were like on some radio shack mixer type shit like yeah. the cue buttons were like you could like flip them and shit with <laughs> your finger. You know, it was like up and down kind of shit with mixing. It was crazy, man, but um, I fucking loved it and and I just kind of like was consumed with that shit. You know, like DJing. You know, and then, So was that
0: uh, like the cool thing at the time that was starting oh to kind of really yeah. Hit, like, yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, like that was like, man, if you were a fucking DJ during that time period, man, you were like, especially if you got popular, yeah. you know, it was like the shit. So I had hooked up uh, with a couple of friends, um, uh, my former DJ partner and still good friend to this day, uh, Greg Freeman and then our other partner was Will Guess. Now Will Guess was his father was a Pip mm. of Gladys Knight in the Pips, yeah. right? So he could afford to, or his his father could afford to buy 1200s when those first came on the scene the 1200 techniques like the motherfuckers was like $400 a pop back then. And my parents were like, "Dude, you are fucking nuts if you think we're going to pay $400 a pop for some goddamn turntables." And, man, Will got them fucking turntables, man. We were over that motherfucker's house, like, (laughs) at least two or three times a week. Yeah. Practicing. Okay. Like, I remember distinctly, especially when I started driving in high school, I remember distinctly leaving Cass and going directly Directly to his his house. house. And we would fucking practice and make mixtapes and shit. Then, eventually, we, we got popular and... You know, we were doing parties and shit, like at the union halls and shit like that, you know, with the whole, you know, uh, 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 snobs and brats, which were like, you know, the, the popular clubs that a lot of the black kids were in. you know, it was really an interesting time, you know, as far as the music and black kids being into, you know, fucking electronic music. You know what I mean? It was just it was that those were like some of the best years you know of my life as far as being a teenager and and the fucking music you know
0: uh who who were like some of your inspirations at that time are there any other djs that were you know out doing the progressive the dance music thing that you were inspired by yes
1: so when i was like ninth or tenth grade there was this one dj man fucking he he was this (laughs) motherfucker he was like the guru you know what I mean? Like, he was like God to us. His name was <laughs> Ray Berry. Ray Berry. And he was a part of this group called Direct Drive.
0: Oh, I often hear, hear you know? stories of them.
1: <laughs> and so Ray Berry was, it was Ray Berry. It was Steve Dunbar. And um, um, uh, another DJ, Al Esther. Al Esther used to do our college parties when I was uh when I was a student at Morehouse, we would come home and do these men of Morehouse parties and shit. And Al Esther was our fucking DJ. Every party we did. Al Esther was the fucking DJ. So, you know, man, I, I was like really blessed, man, to, to to come up during a time where there were some great DJs, you know. Um, um You know, I didn't I didn't meet Derek and and those guys till later. But as far as people that I, you know, really looked up to coming up as a DJ. Yeah, it was Ray Berry. It was Al Esther. It was Steve Dunbar. You know, um, it was Ken Coyer. um, You know, it was your Delano Smith. You know, those guys, you know, in my opinion, they were like the fucking. They were superstars. They were like, they were like goddamn local celebrities in Detroit. You know, when them motherfuckers walked down the street, you know, (laughs) the crowd parted, you know, that kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it was just a great time, you know, for music and the club scene was like ridiculous. You know, Cheeks. um, Oh, okay. Cheeks. That's where
0: where Al Esther was. Right.
1: Goddamn. Cheeks, Warehouse. Uh, rich and famous, you know, none of them motherfuckers exist now, and that also dates me like a motherfucker, cause you know, <laughs> goddamn warehouse cheeks. Were rich you doing? And famous. Did you
0: do Music Institute at all? Was that your area? I, I did. I, I did.
1: Okay. <clears throat> I did. I, you know, I had the good fortune of of experiencing the Music Institute a few times, but at the time, you know, I was living at home with my parents, and you know, the Music Institute was like late night. You know so what I is mean? this
0: what after you came back from school or this is when you were still like in high school
1: i'm sorry so this is like when i i was probably like yeah high school okay so like oh, yeah, my so... senior year uh yeah the music institute you know i i definitely had my few experiences but you know it it was so it was so fucking late late night type shit you know it was like I couldn't hang out too long because I was still living at the crib. You know, my parents, they weren't playing that shit. They were like, look, dude, you better. We, we, we know you the rising senior and all that shit. But, uh, you know, you may want to get your ass home before daylight. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. But, I mean, shit, you know, Derek, you know, Juan, uh, you know, Alton Miller, you know, uh, those were the names that you saw, you know, on the flyers and the faces that you saw. You know in the dj booth you know those were that was a time when the club scene was like in detroit was really popping you know um you had rich and famous you know warehouse uh you know cheeks and you know i also can't forget um stacy hot wax hell you know she was really popular when i was a teenager coming up and that and that that really fucked my head up you know seeing a, a sister Yeah. You know, DJing, you know, that, that was like, that was mind blowing for me, you know? Um, And then of course, you know, shit, we can't forget Jeff Mills. You know, he was on the goddamn radio. Um, You know, he was definitely an inspiration when he was on the radio and, um, you know, he would do those fucking mixes and shit on WJLB. I think it was. And uh, some guys that, um, I was cool with, in high school, they had this club, sort of like all the other clubs that they had, like Snobs and brats. So they had this club, and their guest DJ was Jeff Mills. And so this is when I'm, it's funny because I had never met him before then, right? So you know how you get like these pictures in your head of like what what the person looks like, right? (laughs) So he he was their DJ and shit, man. And my boy Mark, he was he was one of the promoters, man. He was like, dude, you know, yo, man, yo, I'm gonna hook you up, man. I'm, I'm gonna introduce you to Jeff. I'm like, cool. And man, I'm I, you know, I walk up on the dude, man, and I'm like, this is the wizard, man? <laughs> you know this A little, skinny, this little you know? <laughs> skinny looking dude is the wizard. But he was. It's funny because he is he's always been the same, you know, just that spirit of humility and just. Really good energy. Another and,
0: Gemini, might
1: add. Oh damn! I didn't know that oh, shit. Yeah, oh yeah, Jeff Mills. Oh my god. Oh, okay, Larry
0: Heard too. You know. Like, oh that oh in there, okay. shit.
1: <laughs> so, and I remember calling. I remember uh getting Jeff's number, man, and I would call him. Like, I would call him, and his sister would answer the phone, <laughs> and she'd be like, "Jeff, is Reggie?" And he'd come to the phone. Yeah, man. What's up? What's up, man? I'm like, dude. How did you do that mix? Oh.
0: Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'd be funny. like I'd
1: be like, "Dude, how did you do that mix, dude?" And he was like, "I can't tell you that, man. You know it's, you know, it's it's, it's a secret, dude, you know. Uh, it's, you know, that's that's my thing." Yeah. And and so I bring him up because his career is what I have tried to fashion mine after. For like the past two years because you know jeff has just been that person in my opinion that's really pushed the envelope of techno um you know we're talking about a person who has who has played side by side with with major symphonies and and performed you know in, in major theaters with you know uh, goddamn orchestras exactly. and you know i mean he has really put techno in a totally different space. And, you know, you gotta respect that shit. And um, you know, he he too has also composed, you know, films and shit like that. Um, so you know, that was the kind of shit that was really inspiring to me. Like, you know, DJing is just one aspect of my creative spirit. You know, it's it's, it's an extension of you know, other, other creative shit that I have going on. And at the end of the day, it's all fucking connected. It's all fucking connected. You know, And once you realize that, you know, you're a lot, I think better off, you know, as far as, you know, being a creative person or whatever, you know, one, one feeds into the other, but uh, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was a great time, man. So that was like, 86, 85, 84, you know, during Detroit and, you know, we had fucking Mojo and, you know, fucking Mojo was, was, was playing all kind of different shit. So I, you know, I, I tease my kids all the time. I'm like, look, man, I came up in a dope ass era because goddamn, we had house music or progressive and shit. We had goddamn, pop music we had soft rock i mean some of the best music
0: and black people were listening to everything hell yeah you know like yeah
1: you know some of the best music came out in the 80s you know what i mean and you know like you know we had the uh well it was called the scene which was a dance before show. before the
0: new dance show right yeah.
1: before the new dance show you know and let, let's 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 be real black folk we are the ones that made craft work and and, uh, uh, um, you know, computer world and all that shit popular in the States. You know, you know, you see your brother jitting and shit to goddamn, you know, craft work and 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 and, um, um, you know, uh, all that other shit that was coming out of Europe, man, you know, you know people were like, well, you know, that's techno, but shit, it it wasn't called techno. Yeah. It was not fucking called techno. That shit was like pop music or pop synth or whatever the fuck yeah, other yeah. genre. It wasn't so like
0: genre. Right. Like this is the shit we like and right. we right. dance to it right. Like radio. Right, right,
1: yeah. right. And so that that's the kind of upbringing I had musically. And so I just like to think that that influenced me a lot. You know, Duran Duran, goddamn Boy George, Prince, Parliament Funkadelics, you know, to goddamn D-Train, you know what I mean? So I think that played a lot in shaping me.
0: Just an eclectic, you know, knowledge and respect of music. Um, And that's, you know, a frequent thing, you know, coming out of, you know, people, artists from Detroit, you know, you always hear the stories of just all these different influences. Yeah. Uh, You know, Rich is really cool um, because, you know, Fast forward to nowadays, it seems like young black kids are kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say all, but, you know, it seems like everyone's kind of focused on one sound or one genre, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to before, you know, it was more open and acceptable, right. you know. I mean, maybe you're still a little weird back then, but nowadays it just seems like everyone's so focused on this commercial realm.
1: Right. Um, I know. So. That's how I've kind of <laughs> raised our my kid, our kids. You know, like, I had them listening to every fucking thing. Yeah,
0: just to know? at least have the knowledge. Right. Even if you don't like it, just know right. who it was. or you know. And, and,
1: and I, I think I may have gone too far because my son, he is a fucking 80s fanatic from, like, the fucking clothes to That's the music. Funny. He's like... He like loves the fucking eighties, man. Yeah. You know, it's fucking hilarious.
0: Well that's the thing now too. It's like, I mean, everything repeats itself. Yeah. You know, the eighties and I think nineties are in right. right now in terms of fashion. I can't even keep up with like, <laughs> that shit. I just am starting to realize the older I get, everything is gonna come back at right. some point. You're right. You're um right. so you talked a little bit, you know, about you know how Jeff Mills was one of your inspirations and uh you were trying to model your career kind of after his um, at this point in yours, you know, in terms of, like, film and television, just, like, doing things that aren't necessarily just club, you know, club-based. Right. Um, so you said, you know, at the beginning of the, at a, of our discussion that, you know, you were working on some film and television projects. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to touch on that a little bit more? Or just, Absolutely. you know, talk about how maybe that process differs from making music for the club?
1: So how it all started for me was... You know, in the back of my brain, I had always had an interest in in composing for, like, film and television and doing music for commercials and shit like that. You know, I've always had that interest, you know. So, last year, I was driving Uber, right? I was driving and shit, and I had this person in the car. And I get this phone call while I'm driving, and I look down, and it's a call from New York. I'm like, I don't know anybody from fucking New York. You know, I'm not going to answer that shit. And so they left a message. And I still had this person in my car. So I'm like, fuck. So, you know, I listened to the message. And it was like, hi, uh, my name is so-and-so. And and, uh, we're looking for Reggie Dokes, And we have some music of his that we're using. We would like to use in a film. Oh. And we wanted to... uh, Speak to him. We hope we have the right number. I almost put that woman out the car without her. you like, hey, cool to get out like, here. I am about to be like, hey. we're only
0: five miles away. Like,
1: <laughs> Walk the rest of the way, all right? You'll oh be my all right.
0: God, that's so funny. But
1: man, <laughs> so, you know, I called the guy back and I was like, yo. If you are a bill collector, you're going through a lot of trouble, my dude, <laughs> trying to fucking collect some, some money. He was like, no. He was like, you know, I had put it out on Facebook that we were looking for you.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And um, uh, CD Baby, there's a company called CD Baby okay. that, that uh, manufactures CDs for independent artists. He said, we heard back from CD Baby And they were saying that they had the master to your track that we want to use in the movie. I'm like, hell. And and this situation taught me a lot about ownership, Mm. about owning your shit, right? And um, so I talked to this guy. I do my research. Motherfucker was legit. Yeah. And he was like, look, I'm going to send you the contract over. So he sent me the contract. Girl, I, was, I looked at that shit. It said, All Rise. The, uh, the original title was called Monster, but then it was changed to All Rise, directed by Anthony uh, Mandler. Now, Anthony Mandler is huge in the video music world. Like, he's directed Beyonce, Jay-Z, Rihanna, the Jonas Brothers. So, this was like his first feature film. Wow girl then i get to reading some more to see who's in the motherfucker and it was like jennifer hudson
0: so it's like a legit right it's not a little book like straight to video right so cinema stuff right so (laughs) i was like
1: okay jennifer hudson is starring jennifer hudson wow goddamn uh jeffrey wright okay now you really have to be in, in movies and shit and television to know who Jeffrey Wright is. Jeffrey Wright is the shit. He's like one of my favorite actors. Westworld, goddamn, I mean, he's he's dope as fuck. James Bond, a brother. So it was Jennifer Hudson, Jeffrey Wright, Nas, mm. uh Denzel Washington's son.
0: Damn, yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. So I was, so I was like, God
1: damn, this is, this is for real. Like yeah. a motherfucker. Wow. So, girl, you know, once I, you know, I consider myself halfway smart guy. I couldn't afford a fucking lawyer. So I had to read that shit, you know, like four times over yeah. to make sure, you know, I understood what the fuck was going on. And then once I got comfortable with it. Um, you know, I got it back to them and, you know, I, I let them know, hey, look, I own the masters to that record or to that track. I, actually, I put that record out like in the, my my baby was born, our, our first child was born in 1999. <laughs> 1999. Prince like a motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> she was born in 1999. So like, Year 2000, 2001, I put out, like, my first album on my label, Psychostasia Recordings. That is where the fucking track came from. And I had, I had my album manufactured by CD Baby. So that's why they were like, yeah, we have the master. But so they these, didn't
0: actually own it. Right. Yeah.
1: These motherfuckers were like, we got it. You know, trying to oh,
0: trying to finagle their way in, right, right,
1: right, right. That's crazy, right? So, um, girl, I was like, hell yeah, I'm down with this shit. And then the fucking pandemic broke because it was the movie was supposed to come out. It's an independent film, actually. Okay. Um, and then um,
0: so was it going to be at like Sundance or like? Well, it had
1: already showed at Sundance, but. You know, they'll show movies at Sundance, and they're not really finished. You know Okay, what I mean?
0: so they're still adding in music right, and different right. whatever. Okay. But they
1: showed it at Sundance, and the motherfucker got rave reviews.
0: Okay,
1: You know, so that's how it kind of created all this buzz. And then the distribution rights were bought from this company called Entertainment Studios. And so they were going to distribute it into the theaters, and select theaters. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. And now, everything and now cool. you know everything is, is 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 up, you know, in the air. But what happened was, Bronze Studios, that's a major film studio. They did Joker, all these animated films. It's a major studio. I think they ended up buying the rights back to the movie, because I spoke with the director and he said it's going to come out end of the year. And, uh, you know, just stay tuned. So it was that situation that really, because, you know, most motherfuckers would die trying to get their shit in a movie.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, how many, when does that fucking happen?
0: And then they came and found you. Right. You how know. How did they even, fi- I mean, do you know? This? So
1: how, how they found my music? They found it
0: online. They were just on YouTube looking yeah. up stuff. That's They some shit. Wow.
1: So And then the guy who's the composer, who was the composer for that film, um, uh, Harvey Mason Jr. So Harvey Mason is a world-renowned drummer, jazz drummer.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds really familiar. Yeah,
1: like uh, Foreplay was the group. And um, so his son is like this major uh, songwriter and producer in R&B. And so he was the one that scored it. Okay. So him, I guess, along with the director, found my music and shit. And the particular track they found, it was, like, all strings. You know, it was very minimal, you know what I mean? But it was strings, because I love fucking strings. I mean, you will hear that shit in a lot of my tracks. Yeah. I just love fucking strings, you know? And, um, man, so... They found it, used it in a scene in the movie, and they felt it worked. And that's what had them how it all
0: started. How it all
1: started. And, and so it taught me a lot about your value, about just staying consistent, you know, just sticking to your guns, owning your shit, putting out your own content, you know, owning your content. Um, it really taught me a lot. And so it was that that really kind of inspired me to really like look at composing so from that deal the 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 music supervisors who brokered that deal for me I I started a relationship with them
0: yeah okay
1: and um so so the next thing was I got my music on this television show this docuseries that came out on BET called cop watch so I got my music into that and I
0: think I've heard of that yeah
1: it's, it's it's a new show
0: Is that the show with, like, that's some girl just, oh, my God. I feel like.
1: Well, well the premise, well, it's like motherfuckers follow the cops and shit with cell phones. The the
0: girl that braids my hair, her friend was, like, the creator of the show or something. And the girl is, like, I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, I've heard (laughs) it. I haven't seen it, but I'm, (laughs) I'm like, wait, I've heard this.
1: Yeah, yeah yep so, that's cool though. yeah yeah so, so you're
0: kind of you know getting into that world now exactly you know, building those relationships yeah, and yeah you know i know that money may look a little better than the techno it, money, it, it,
1: it, <laughs> yeah but spe- you know you know yeah. but is it a
0: tech i mean what kind of track is it you know worthy? well see
1: my first album is so genre undefining okay and i did that shit on purpose yeah when I did my first album, I was like, I don't know what this is, yeah. but this is, cause they even had a hard time like categorizing it. Yeah. You know, when they were trying to sell it, is this deep house? Is this techno? You know, I was like, I don't know.
0: It's music. It's, it, you <laughs> know, it's music
1: and, um, goddamn psycho stage recordings is in a goddamn movie with movie credits, you know? And so that's where my head has been. And so now I'm working on music for a movie called, um, Tasmanian devil interesting title um so I'm working on music for that now as we speak but but because of the pandemic you know there hasn't been any filming and shit going on um but yeah you know the money can be um you know better so like for the movie deal it wasn't a whole lot of money but what mattered to me was the back end yeah that is what fucking matter to me. When you see some shit that says, uh, dude, we are paying you royalties into perpetuity, you know, that, yeah. that, that means like my goddamn children's children's children yeah. will be getting a fucking check. and and those those that's where my head is yeah you know like
0: generational wealth right right right. that's what we need
1: right exactly (laughs) exactly so you know i I didn't take a whole lot of money up front because it was just important for me to you know that back in you know
0: yeah we've i've been having that conversation where a few people have um like uh, frank ski Mm-hmm. Um, so he did the track, you know, Whores in This House or right. Holes in This House. I right. don't know if so, you saw the new Cardi B. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, so yeah. I mean, yeah. people are like, oh, I hope he got paid. So I did a little research like, yeah, he's credited as a writer. So I mean, I mean he man never, you know, that was 93. Here we right. are 2020 and this song is blowing up. And right. yeah, he's going to get a piece of that. So,
1: Absolutely. That's I how mean, that should yeah, work. And if
0: that can help you and your family. I mean, that, that's what it's about. Right. You know, but end. you
1: know what happens is is you know a lot of us we're in music and we get to those points where we need money and you end up selling signing the rights signing, book, you know yeah. you know signing your rights off even in independent music yeah. you know it happens it, it has happened in house and techno where people have signed the rights to their music cool. they don't they no longer own this shit and now it's getting sampled and you yeah. know, People they're not getting be-
0: rich off your stuff.
1: Right. Not crazy. benefit. That's why I was so fucking happy for uh, Kenny uh, Dixon when his shit was sampled for Drake's
0: album. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I was like, I, I know that. Kenny got his business together. Yeah. You know, because I done been in that brother's house. I
0: mean, they've been sampling a lot of de- uh, like dance music lately for a lot of hip hop stuff. It's oh, my like God. Yes.
1: Lot. Oh, my. B- um, before Kanye got uh, interesting. He was doing it, you yeah. know, and um,
0: there's another one that uh, Yeah. free track. Yeah. Ultra. Not mm-hmm. like someone else. There's a new song that sampled that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, yeah,
1: I mean, hey, shit, you need to put some vinyl out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> shit. You never know. You know, that's how that shit happens, man. But, you know, for me, I'm very much into energy. So that shit works. The whole law of attraction. Yeah. So just putting that energy out there, like, damn, I want to be in films. Yes. This is going to happen oh for me. oh my
0: God, I, I feel you You know, on this that.
1: is going to work. Shit yeah. is going to pan out for me. Yep. And here I get this phone call just out of the fucking yep.
0: way. Yep, yeah. You know. So don't, don't be afraid to dream. That's right. <laughs>
1: that's right.
0: Um, that's right. All right, so just a couple more questions for you here. Um I know, you know, we had recently talked a little bit, you said you were part of a techno documentary uh, yes, that was coming you. out. Um, can you share a little bit about that yet? Yes. Yes,
1: so um, Christian Hill and, um, and Jennifer Washington, they are the producers of this great documentary called um, God Said Give Them Drum Machines. And, um, uh, you know, I came on board probably like march maybe february or march of last year because you know my head was i wanted to compose and i and i know christian from detroit and i called him up i was like yo dude if you need some some original music you know i would love to work with you guys he was like you got the job i was like damn that was easy Oh, and yeah. that's another
0: thing. Don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid, <laughs> don't Seriously. Be afraid I, I mean, to ask I, yeah. for what
1: you want. You
0: never know. You especially never... if you already have a relationship with that person right. a little bit. Hey, right. it can't hurt to throw it out there. Right. Sorry right. to interrupt you. No, no. I, that's I that's
1: that. a, That's a beautiful point because <laughs> that shit is so true. Um, and, and, and I happened to call him right right on time because he had someone else. That didn't work out and then someone else came on and and or he he was he was talking to them about coming on and they backed out and I called right on time he was like dude you got the job he was like look i'm going to send you uh i'm going to send you uh the first uh 10 minutes Oh, he
0: oh, he was ready he was re-
1: <laughs> that dude was ready took to That some stress off right, him too <laughs> right he was ready to fucking roll and yeah. i was like damn man this is crazy so I started scoring that shit. And so it's called God Said, Give Him Drum Machines. It's about the origin of techno, which centers around the Belleville Three, or the Bellevue Three. You know, Juan Atkins, Derek May, and Kevin Saunderson. How black men created techno. Mm-hmm. That is the story. And how this genre has influenced the world of EDM. Mm-hmm. and how the top earners of EDM are not black. Yep. But some of those same top earners know the influence that a Juan Atkins, a Kevin Saunderson, a Derek May, these, I mean, people like David Guetta, he knows who Kevin Saunderson is. Yeah. He knows who Derek May is. Yeah. You know, so... That has been our push to let the world know that techno is black. It was created by black hands. It was created by black men. And it was a genre that, that came from nothing but influenced a billion-dollar industry. And, um, I mean, it's, it's a great documentary. We have gotten, you know, really good support because I know there are a lot of documentaries out there but this is, I think, in my opinion, you know, um, the first story of its kind where it really concentrates on
0: the black heritage it, or roots. Exactly. Of it, of the black music. roots
1: of it, yeah. you know, and, and Which is and, important. Right you know. um, Right. Right. Yeah,
0: I love seeing the conversations about that over yeah. the past you know, few years because mm-hmm. it seems like we weren't talking about it for a while.. Right. Um, and it's like we we need to be talking about it again because there's so many different lies and misconceptions mm-hmm. you know about about it, so so right. it's good to see all yeah. of that um now is it actually out yet, or so I mean...
1: n- it's not out yet, so right now we're in the midst of getting um and that's another thing that's been a learning experience for me too is getting clearance on some of the music that we used because. You know, at a certain point, you know, Christian um, kind of relied on me to give my two cents on what music we should use, especially during that time period. You know, we are talking the 80s, yeah. you know, 83, 84, you know, some of the influential tracks during that time, Martin Circus, Capricorn. Uh, and so you would be surprised who owns that music.
0: So you're trying to, like, track these people down. Right. So we're we're going through
1: that and and getting it cleared. Yeah. You know, which can be, you know, really costly. Yeah. Uh, I was just amazed, like, even if you use, like, 30 seconds. If you use 30 seconds of someone's music versus three minutes, you know, the price is still the fucking same. Wow. Which is, which was nuts. I'm like, shit, I'm in the wrong goddamn business. But, um. But yeah, just getting it clear. And then we were able to get support uh, from a great company out of L.A. called XTR Films. And their specialty is um, documentary uh, filmmaking. Okay. And um, so they, they're giving us the support um, as far as, you know, trying to guide us down the right paths as far as getting the music cleared and... Um, Getting it, getting it a little bit more polished.
0: Just taking on some of those administrative right. tasks. Yeah. And, okay.
1: Um, but you know, I'm really excited about the documentary. We're 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 shooting for uh, um, hopefully, you know, it coming out next year. Um, like I said, at the risk of sounding redundant, I think it's it's a, it's a story that hasn't been told yet. You know, honestly, you know, some of the other documentaries, you know, they kind of glaze over detroit you know you know what i mean oh yeah i've seen some terrible right right and and some of those documentaries you know were given like huge budgets
0: oh of course you
1: know what i mean and so you know here we are (laughs) you know just trying to get the word out yeah. <clears throat> you know, and just the trying people to get from that,
0: that actual right. era and storytelling it right. too. You know, that's right. what we need.
1: And that's what was so inspiring for me as a composer on this documentary was that I lived this shit. Yeah. So when I saw the footage and, you know, the interviews and you know, it just it was just like I was all in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So my job was at at certain points was to create music. Recreate music during that era. Um, you know there was some um, um, a sound design that I had to do, and you know it was a really good, good experience for me as far as composing. So that that was really like my first real composing um, gig, and uh, you know I'm excited about the documentary. Um, I know once it's once it's like. Complete, I know it's going to...
0: It's going to get some real traction.
1: Right, it's going to get some real traction. So, yeah, yeah. God said give them drum machines.
0: Okay. But,
1: but incidentally, that title was influenced by Mike Huckabee. God bless oh, okay. his soul. Um, yeah, he's, he's the one who inspired uh, that title uh, for the documentary. But, yep.
0: Okay, so God give them drum machines. Make sure y'all, you know, check out for that. I guess we'll just wrap up here. Wanted to touch on real quick. Or um, I know you had a EP come out recently on your band camp. Uh, Thank you. sorry, I lost it. Well, you had Electronic Mind, which was something that you re-released. Yes. um, And then Black to the Future was the other one. Um, Is there any other projects, exciting things, or did you want to talk about those?
1: Yeah, so um, Black to the Future is my latest project on my label. Um, very proud of that. You know, people have been really um, you know, responsive to that and I'm so appreciative because, you know, I, I had gotten to that point where putting out vinyl was like really expensive for me. Yeah. And, you know, I mean it ain't cheap to put out a fucking record. You know, as you know, I'm laying like shit, just to press up goddamn four five hundred copies, you going you can spend a couple thousand dollars easy. Yeah. Just to do four hundred presses. Um so, you know, I just had to make the hard decision. I'm like, shit, I I just need to go digital, man, and try to teach my fan base, what little fan base I have, to roll with a brother.
0: Over the band camp. Over
1: the band camp. That's, where
0: all, the cool, that's <laughs> where all the cool kids are now. I mean, like, right. pe- especially people in their 20s, like, they, right. band camp is it right now. Right,
1: band um, camp is so it. So cool. it was cool
0: to see you on there. I know Kai's on there, yeah. Patrice Scott. I see a lot of people. And you... Can still sell your vinyl on you know Bandcamp too. Which
1: Girl, is legal, I so. just I finally slowed down and 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 started putting vinyl up. Yeah, yeah, so, I love I mean, that shit, man. One stop shop. <laughs> shouts shouts out to fucking Bandcamp for real. Yeah, you
0: can sell merch on there. Um, yeah, yeah I, I got I got love for them.
1: Man, they're the shit. You know, I like yeah. it because you know you can reach out to your fan base. You know,
0: yeah, send a little email update. Right, say right, thank you. Right. I, I love when I I'm like you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, you, as a fan, you know, you feel like okay. Right. Right. That's cool. I'm t-
1: if, they yeah. spend, if they spend $2, <laughs> I immediately send a personal email. Like, oh, hey, wow. That's cool. thank you for your support. Yeah. I really appreciate it. You know, because that, that shit means a lot to me, you yeah. know, for a person to, you know, take the time and listen to your shit and then, you know, support you on it. Um, that other one, Electronic Mind, um, that was an album that I did on my label, but I had licensed it to um, a Japanese company at the time called Cisco. And, um, so I finally slowed down and put that, put that, got finally got that shit together and put that out. But yeah, that was like my real first techno album. I think, you know, my shit was, I, when I was first putting out shit, I w- really wasn't concerned with the dance floor. I was like, fuck the dance floor. Yeah. I'm, I'm on some down tempo type shit, you know, but uh, of course that has changed over the years. But, yeah. well
0: I mean hey I mean you're a Gemini you could do it all you know I mean seriously <laughs> right, right. you know movie scores down tempo right. you know
1: there you go man Techno. Gemini's Gemini's are the shit man
0: yeah. <laughs> well Reggie um, I thank you so much thank um, you. Um, you know do you want to awesome. give any last little shout outs or anything before we go
1: oh man hey just I'm just really appreciative Ash of this opportunity to no tell my little story you know shout out to All my peeps in Detroit, love to my lovely wife and two uh, grown children. Love you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right, y'all. We'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.